Hello and welcome to Hey, I Loved That Movie, the podcast where we re-watch the films we loved when we were younger to see if they still hold up. I'm Dan. I'm Michael. I'm Helena. And I'm Jamie. And for this week, we watched Treasure Planet. So you guys are going to have to sort of take over on the nostalgia for this one because my memory of this is uh, so I had a game on Game Boy Advance and I couldn't get past the first level and that's the only relationship I have with this movie prior to watching it a couple of days ago. I assume you mean the game of Treasure Planet. Yes, yeah, it was a it was a Treasure Planet game. Uh, I remember I had to collect some coins and that is it. <laughs> so every that sounds like pretty standard Game Boy stuff. Every game yeah. of that time period. So, um, I, I didn't see it in cinema because, um, you know, according to the box office takings, no one actually did. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I did have it on DVD several years later on. And um, I always had very fond memories of it from that point. Nice. It came yeah. out when I was firmly in princess phase and it doesn't have a princess in it. So I did not watch awesome. it. We should explain what Treasure Planet is. It's, it's Treasure um, Island, but in space for no reason. Yeah, during that like weird time when Disney made sci-fi films. So the story of Treasure Planet is about a boy. I can't remember his name because I never remember characters' names. Jim. Jim, that's it. Uh, he wants to be a spacer. His dad vanished. We never really get an explanation why. Um, I, mean, I, I, I got the impression was... that he went off to hunt for space whales and just never came back because uh, Space Moby Dick got him. Man turns up at his house and he goes on this great adventure to find the great treasure planet with all the world's treasure in it. Treasure Planet has some really good jokes in it, and I feel like a lot of them are missed. And I think one of the best timed jokes in the film is at that point, at the beginning of the film, where the mum is like, oh, I wish he could just, he was just a child again, and he was little, and he brought home a pet, and he was begging me to keep it, and then the door kicks open, and it's him with this dying man. <laughs> yeah. This horrifying turtle pirate. Yeah, I mean, I don't think in their world that the turtle pirate is horrifying. He's just well, I mean, he was, he was designed, I think, to look really off-putting and like ropey and on his last legs so mm. i think like even if you were used to kind of like animal people and aliens and stuff you'd still be pretty shocking when he kind of kicked your door down and yeah. there I... is a lot of anthropomorphic furry kind of characters in this film yeah it's um, a yeah. Very, very fun sort of like varied creatures and stuff one thing i couldn't tell about jim though is it is he meant to be like 16 or like 21 i have no idea <laughs> i think he's supposed to be a teenager yeah. He's been, I guess, about 18, isn't he? Because he's very young when his dad leaves, but then it says 12 years later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing about Jim as the protagonist of a Disney film, particularly in the early 2000s, is like the original Treasure Planet, Jim was like 12 years old or something mm -hmm. like that. He was, he was a child. And a lot of Disney protagonists are also children and the films are marketed at children. So it was a, it was a really weird shift of gears that they went with a teenage protagonist especially yeah. when the film was still being marketed at children. I, I think one of the directors actually credited that as one of the reasons why it bombed. Yeah. Um, because uh, teenagers weren't interested in watching animated Disney films and, you know, they're lost. But kids also weren't interested in watching a swashbuckling space adventure about teenagers. Um, no, they really missed the mark, didn't they? Have you seen the original theatrical trailer that was played on, like, TVs and stuff? It is completely different to what the actual film is. Oh. It's it sold as, like, a fun romp around, like, best friends hanging out, going through space on an adventure with this whole like voiceover of like he, he his name was Jim and they were best friends and it's it's really weird when you watch the advert and watch the film 
because the film is like a space opera essentially mm. like it's very big it's very dramatic and it's very like forward thinking in animation style and like story and then you have like the trailer and all the marketing is like it's a kid's film and they're best friends i think one of the biggest differences between the early advertising for it and the actual film is ben the character oh, ben because Ugh. ben is a, a robot that doesn't have its memory yeah. it also doesn't show up until the last like 20 minutes of the film yeah he's in like deep into the second half of the film but in uh, in the early advertising he's marketed as one of the friends of the main character one of the buddies yeah and- so i i really don't like ben and i, I think I, I probably want to talk about him a little bit later on because he appears yeah. as you say quite quite late into the film but yeah there's, there's a real kind of like mismatch between how the film was advertised and what it actually was and yeah. I, I think if the film came out today it would do a lot better than it did in the early 2000s because like the way audiences interact especially with like animated films has changed over time currently animation is seen a lot less as just for like children and, and no one else if it was marketed better it would have been if it was marketed the same it still i think it would still flop also it flopping it had a budget of just to say the budget of the film is 150 million which at the time was the most expensive animated film ever made and it's oh. still up there yeah like it flopping it made 101 million which is still more than some successful films just because its budget was so high. Like, um, for example, in Lilo and Stitch, I think its budget was like 91 million. 50, I think. Yeah, like much, nowhere much near. And it wasn't um, until 2006 or seven that a animated film was made that was more expensive than Treasure Planet. Well, what did most of the cost go into then? Because like, so That is really interesting because Treasure Planet was one of the last really big traditionally animated films so lots of like hand-drawn animation but it was it was a hybrid animation so there was some cgi and a lot of the cost was um sunk by disney investing in this this new software this new technology called deep canvas it was a way of blending the two styles together where you'd have a partially cgi animated scene and you would draw on top of it and it meant you could have these really dynamic shots so um like one of the reasons that treasure planet is such a pretty film is because you you have like camera work for the lack of a better term which you don't see very often in traditional animations so like uh, when Jim gets to, to actually board the ship for the first time, you get these really elaborate shots of the camera kind of spinning around the ship and uh, all the traditionally animated characters walking up and down on the deck. And it's a really interesting perspective shot, which is incredibly technically difficult to do if you're just drawing the scene. But like getting that technology to work and uh, like investing into all of the infrastructure around it was super expensive and really bloated the budget out. Also, a lot of the budget went on the marketing. They when they when they say they marketed it, they threw every type of marketing they could at it there was deals with like kellogg mcdonald's burger king there were toys there was a video game like they threw every time i think there were plans to making a a theme ride for one of their parks they threw every type of marketing they could at this and it was all wrong it was all unmarketed to kids (laughs) you mentioning that has just awoken some memory i'm pretty sure i had like a mcdonald's toy of ben the robot yeah yeah, and i haven't seen the movie they did a mcdonald's action figure range and puzzles which obviously Mm -hmm. i think if it if it can fit in a happy meal it's not going to be a big puzzle (laughs) but then actually pepsi cola had like film graphics on their packaging so like that's mountain dew and like so that is i guess a little bit more aimed at teenagers mm-hmm. well it, it was mainly like that all that stuff was mainly inside fast food it was inside mm. mcdonald's it was oh, on, like, oh okay so yeah. it's like what comes in the happy meal is yeah it was yeah. that was less of a direct deal with treasure planet more it was just a add-on with the mcdonald's deal i think yeah yeah uh 
McDonald's had a exclusive deal with Disney, I think, so they would um, oh, like sponsor okay. and promote all of their films. But it like Disney always got a lot of exposure for their their new projects through those those tie-ins, though. I think the marketing budget was upwards of fifty million. It's surprising, really, because Disney really went all in on Treasure Planet as a like an IP as a franchise as well, because they they had all of these tie-in properties, like you, you mentioned a minute ago, there were the video games before it even released. They had penciled in a sequel, so there was this this plan for this whole spring treasure planet thing uh, and like even the sequel sounded fun it was going to be about the dread pirate Ironbeard mm. and uh jim joining the um the, the royal navy academy and having to chase him down and all this kind of stuff and you know you know i, I think that's um some of those elements got recycled into one of the video games that was made but the box office disaster that was treasure planet completely killed all of those plans and even destroyed the studio that produced it yeah there is the theory that I think has some credence of like Disney kind of used Treasure Planet to tank its 2D animation departments. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. And I think the biggest credence of that, the, the biggest thing that makes that valid is the budget being 150 million when a similar film like Lilo and Stitch had like half that and like had all the same marketing, all of the same everything. I, there is the argument that Disney artificially inflated its own budget so there was no way that Treasure Planet could make a profit. It would have to outsell so much. It would have to be like a really successful film that was expert because it was an experimental film. Treasure Planet was an experimental film and it still is. People don't make hybrid animations anymore because it's difficult. It's too much work when you obviously computer power is just getting higher and higher as well. Like it's not pointless, but it's very yeah. much you're doing it for the art at this point not to make a yeah, you know a, a yeah. film a popular film like you're not going to get the funding to do it you you can mimic the traditional drawing art style on a computer mm, now and yeah. it's still much cheaper yeah yes so yeah I, I don't think there's much and yeah, yeah. It i don't think there's much odds of those kind of studios making a making a return no. um that that said i don't think it was surprising that disney did kill the studio after treasure planet whether or not it was a like a setup or, yeah, yeah. or not because the the writing had kind of been on the wall for the industry for a oh. while like from from like the high point of the disney renaissance um like income had been falling and uh, especially for this kind of film the last couple of years had just been like this uh, highway of death of high budget films like iron giant uh, atlantis titan ae this is an analytical part of the, the episode we will get into the fun later oh, yeah. right <laughs> now we're doing the admin so i think there's a, an analysis of Disney at that time where they made stories that they told, the films that they made split into two different kinds after the Disney Renaissance and the sort of second Renaissance it had. It either became like the 3D musical animation that you you got, you ended up with like um, Frozen and all that stuff. It went down that route. And the other route it took was weird experimental epic sci-fi mm. and one of those did a lot more successful than the other one <laughs> uh, i don't think you can tell which one uh, it's really sad because the latter is my favorite type of film oh yeah and it was it's very 2000s and you look at like iron giant which flopped but like you look at that style of film and you look at treasure planet like beautiful films iron giant is still i think one of the best films and they just didn't sell and it was where like audience didn't want them um they were hella experimental so no one really wanted to put money into them and they were hard to make and hard to market and it was kind of like they just let it push the boat out and let it die and i that's quite sad and i'd love for someone to pick up that genre of weird sci-fi yeah i mean that that said if like there was a film that had to kill off 
traditional animation and like you said they were just pushing a boat out there I, i'm kind of happy that it was a, a high watermark like treasure planet yeah, where yeah. it was this this glorious brilliant pretty film which was like yeah. a, a viking funeral where that boat went out there and exploded in this glorious blaze yeah. uh, before sinking and so, I think the, um, it's left a great film as a as a result yeah. but it's just sad how it all went down yeah and i think the only traditional animation from that time that really survived the burning was lilo and stitch because that's what's insane about treasure planet i think it was nominated for an oscar it was nominated for an academy award for best animated picture alongside lilo and stitch and I, they, I think the um the real won. issue for them on that one is it was up against some real real difficult well, competition it was yeah, spirited it, away which there was to, the, there's no way it was going to be spirited yeah. away they both yeah. lost to spirited away but they're the first two disney films to be properly nominated it was, it was a strong year though that was yeah spirited mm. away won but then it was ice age lulo and stitch and then spirit stallion of the Cimarron. i i didn't watch that one yeah I, I think treasure planet also came out on the same box office weekend as harry potter 2 chamber yes. of secrets yeah. which oh, is wow. a horrible film to go up against because which, you know potter mania and all that kind of stuff which is like another credence to it was deliberately killed off because no film <laughs> that isn't a sequel or like a thing is gonna survive against harry potter in the 2000s no film is gonna survive that like still one of the highest grossing films ever ever made but let's get on to the story let's talk about mm. the actual film the juicy content of this film because it has so much and it is so good so jim he's given this um it's a puzzle piece it's like a map to treasure planet and Isn't uh, he sort of the only person that can open it as well he's never told how to open it he just knows that's like one of the few things that really kind of got under my skin was why can no one else open this so I, I think it's because Billy Bones, the horrible turtle pirate that gives it to him, um, shows him how to unlock Does it. Does he teach him how to unlock it, right? And, oh, and then yeah. he immediately dies. Yeah. <laughs> There's the weird dog man who... Is he a dog man or like a cow yeah, man? Something like that. So he's a dog, he's a dog Doppler. Man. Yes. Yeah, yep. He's a dog man. So he... He's, he's a great character. He, he was great, yeah. Character. Yeah, Delbert's great. He... Uh, takes Jim and is like, yeah, we'll go to this um this spaceport and and we'll uh, travel to uh to this planet. And so as it cuts to like outside and there's a moon and I was like, why are there stars that you can see through the moon? That's really dumb. You shouldn't be able to see stars through the dark side of the moon. Oh my god, that's no moon. <laughs> it's a spaceport. <laughs> no, no, I've I've got to say, I I love the visual design of Treasure Planet. It is it's so incredible. good. It's so cool. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's gorgeous the, to watch. The colour palette shot, and everything. Yeah, the shot when you, you first see the spaceport, the crescent moon, is amazing. And um, I, I really love the um, the style guide that they used when they were like storyboarding and planning the film out. And they called it the 70-30 rule. The, the vibe that they were going for was like 18th century stuff. So it's literally pirates in space. Mm -hmm. And um, they decided that 70% of the design, so the visuals, the audio, everything, 70% of it had to be like 18th century and 30% of it could be sci-fi, which is why you've got like galleons going through space uh, with little rocket thrusters, but big, big solar sails. Breathing in a vacuum, not an issue for these boys. No, I'm guessing they have. That's actually really a, a really cool nod to history there, actually, because like way back when the Victorians literally thought that space was the ether. I think they call it Ethereum in the in the film. Yeah. And um they thought it was like this uh like big empty plane of like base state where it would just be like the air that we're in mm. normally. So um I, I thought that was kind of cool where it, it seemed to be like a nod to what actual Victorians thought space was before we really had the ability to 
find out anything about it. Yeah, it was really cool seeing it as like normal galleons. Also, a ship I would not want to fall off of. No, it like, looks very fuck. easy to fall off. Yeah, of yeah. like, like mm. you know, mm. it's an animated film, and my fear of heights was like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> well, a lot yeah, of the yeah. time, and also quite tragically, they are just held on by ropes, and it's if that rope I mean, gets cut by you know a baddie, yeah, you die. And I was pretty, pretty upset. Not quite ready for actual death. I suppose it wasn't like a main character, but he still he dies, was, doesn't he? Yeah, Arrow? Yeah. Arrow? Mr. Arrow. No, Mr. Arrow. He, and he dies because the chef for the... Um, so so it, I guess it kind of tries to lead you to believe that the captain... Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, Emma, Thompson, Emma Thompson. Yes. So uh, also, yeah, uh, incredible voice acting, by the way. Um, yeah. But the Treasure Planet is an incredibly well yeah. voice acted. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the relationship between um, like Captain Amelia Mr. Arrow and uh, Delbert is is great as well. Real like good, the back yeah. and forth between her and her first mate, mm-hmm. and uh, like the kind of just constant <laughs> low key disparagement aimed at their uh, their client, the person who's bankrolling the expedition. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was great. One of my first like not complaints, but like hmm, kind of moments for me was like, okay, so he commissions this ship. He's paying for it all. Why does he commission such a terrible crew? I don't. He, I... he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> also, I don't think he commissioned the crew. Did he commission the crew? I thought she got the crew, or did he just hire? No, he he hired her in the ship, and um, also paid for the crew. And she, she was very unhappy that he foisted a terrible crew on her. Yeah, yeah. I no, was like, it. why? But maybe it's because he can't pay anything up front. I, I, but it's not explained. Yeah, well, he is also useless. Um, mm. Very important part about that character. He is a doctor with a PhD in astrophysics. Um, yeah, he does make the I'm not that kind of doctor. Joke. Um, yeah. But he is useless throughout most of the film until the end. Like he has a huge suit of armor, which is like a really early joke. Someone with two heads sold it to him, and one of them was really nice, and one of them was really mean. <laughs> and I, yeah, really I, I really love that scene as well because yeah. it kind of like sets up some world building about the setting as well. Um, <laughs> where like uh, Captain Amelia kind of looks him up and down, and it kind of dismisses it as a useless antique, and he's got it back to front anyway. And that like immediately tells you something about the history of the setting that you know the, these spaces have been going out there for a long time, and they've got this special gear which has changed over time and uh all, all that kind of stuff and it just makes the whole thing feel a little bit more lived in which yes. is quite nice yeah it was yeah. cool i do love captain minute and i wish he was in it more yes. yeah yeah like, one of those things where i was like i thought because again the early marketing was she's in it a lot she's not really in it that much definitely a supporting character yeah it yeah. sets her up as if she's the one that is gonna try and sort of steal the treasure like well i mean it's obvious from the get-go because the chef is a cyborg who can't yeah. be trusted with a mimic for a friend who becomes a spoon can't for be a bit. Trusted. yeah but he can't be trusted and so it's but i mean he you know obviously throughout the film becomes friends with jim and it, it's it's like it's trying to make you think that captain amelia is going to be the one to try and steal the treasure and i i guess in jim's eyes anyway yeah part uh, but... of me thought that the cyborg part of me was like is this a red herring i'm a big fan of us just right now analyzing the novel treasure island <laughs> <laughs> Which is what yeah. we're doing. Saying all that, I, I do really like the relationship between Jim and Silver. Like the 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 initial distrust, and then how that changes over time to a kind of like Stockholm um, syndrome. Yeah, it's Stockholm. But nice. Well, yeah, no, I wouldn't really say Stockholm syndrome, but it's it's kind of like he becomes a adoptive surrogate father figure over time, and the the way that relationship grows feels really um, like natural and unforced. Which like a lot of the time you find that films just kind of force those things along for the convenience of plot. See, yeah. I I have the opposite opinion. I I don't like the way that relationships 
spelled out because it feels really like sudden back and forth between are they friends or aren't they? And it, in some instance, it's so immediately back and forth. Like um, at the end when they get to the treasure, it's so like, and now suddenly they're friends again. But it's like they're friends again under the pretense that Silver needs Jim to get out alive. Yeah, yeah. Then, it's it's difficult to get a like a firm reading on what he actually believes, Silver. Yeah, I think it would have been better if they lent more on one side or the or the other because mm. you have him at the very end when everything's back to normal and the the captain threatens him to take him to court. He escapes. He's like, I'm gonna try and escape and steal a thing, and Jim helps him like that feels really opposite to the theme, scene that happened earlier when they're working together. It glosses over the uh, mutiny. Yeah, they're like it's like jarring in and out of friendship with them. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, my, my kind of read on, on that relationship is um, that at first, what you see is pretty much what you get where Silver sees Jim as a, a nuisance and inconvenience and is, is like undermining uh, his plans because he doesn't have uh, freedom to act to like set the mutiny up and stuff. But as they spend more time together, he comes to actually genuinely like him. And then the rest of the film onwards from the mutiny to finding the treasure to, to the rest of it is um, him putting on a face for his like mutineers so they they don't betray him as well because they think he's gone soft and then he's trying to persuade himself that he doesn't have any feelings for Jim because he really wants the treasure yeah. um, and eventually he comes to terms with the fact that actually Jim is worth more than uh, like a fistful of treasure that he can claw out of this dying planet yeah. family um, is the treasure <laughs> yeah it, it's very it's very Disney isn't it <laughs> yeah. well yeah I like I get the relationship and how it arcs I just think it happens really knee jerky and it happens at mm. such a quick back and forth pace that it feels kind of weird because silver is a really cool character yeah it's a really fun character with really fun design and like history so um on, on the point of silver's history like adding more of it probably wouldn't have actually like contributed to the film oh, no. in any meaningful way but I, I really want to know more about silver yeah. Uh, like that that one little scene where um, Jim asks him how he got his um, cyborg implants and he just says, you know, when you're following a dream, sometimes you've got to give some things up as well. Silver's background seems absolutely fascinating and like the film probably isn't the right place to go into it in, in detail because it kind of distracts from the emotional points that they're making in those scenes anyway. But I don't know, like some kind of tie-in material or whatever, uh, just, just for people that are interested. Silver and Jim have the most Disney thing that happens in this film and they have a, an emotional relationship building montage. Yes. And it is hands down the most Disney part of this. I forgot I was watching a Disney film and then there was a montage of them working together on a hit. <laughs> yeah, like, oh no, yeah. we're back. The, the only major complaint I have about that montage is the music as well because most of the music in the film is uh, really cool. It's like either orchestral or <laughs> it's like 18th century string mu music and that kind of stuff. And then you've got the, uh, the montage scene and it breaks into a song by the Goo Goo Dolls, I think. Yeah. And yeah. that's pretty jarring. It is pretty it jarring. Is, it is jarring rock pop. Yeah. In the middle of a film. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind the montage. It's really just the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the song. It did sort of take me out of the beautiful 18th century aesthetic that they built up for so long. So we've not really talked about Morph. He's a very cute little scrotum. My favourite bit is right towards the end when he turns into that little puddle. I did realise until quite far into the film why he's a mimic. And I feel really stupid for not noticing it. Cool. Well, I'm going to feel parrot. really stupid. For... It's because he's a parrot. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a pirate film, because it's, it's Treasure Island. That is fair. Oh, I get it. <laughs> okay, cool. I, like, yeah. I don't like how long it took me into the film to be like, oh. It's all right. It took me until you just said right now. So, you know. Um... So, I, I really liked Morph. I mean, Morph is Morph, Morph is great as, uh, like, visual comedy, like the little gags and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. He, he was He's amazing. also a He's also a little shit. Yeah, he <laughs> he's is. also the smallest little shit in the film. Yeah, he, he's a sassy little scrotum. Yeah, one of the things that I found that Lil Scrotum Morph does also bring out is the he he really highlights sometimes the use of computer animation because they when he mimics something, especially if it's something they've already talked about, he will just shrink down into that version, and it's very much like high definition, and it looks like they've just drag and clicked it, like made it smaller rather than it being like a hand drawn version of what he's being. So. Um... Um, my, my main problem with Morph isn't Morph himself. It's more about what else he can be compared against. Morph is like the gag visual comic relief for yeah. the first yeah. half, three quarters of the film. And then Ben turns up. Hmm. And uh, Ben is almost purely slapstick comic relief. And he is so annoying and unnecessary. I wish Ben wasn't in the film. Uh, like Morph already had that little corner of things nailed down perfectly well is ben a character in treasure island like is is that a character in treasure island who who knows where the treasure is but has forgotten yes is that a yeah. is he a character okay yeah i i really don't like ben um, no, i wish he, i wish he wasn't in the film he's um, so he is the jar jar binks of this movie mm, yeah for sure yeah, like, imagine... in like the most literal term <laughs> yeah imagine if they'd taken ben out and instead focused more on like uh character interactions between Jim and Captain Amelia and oh all the others and working out where to go on the planet. Yeah, because by the time Ben's introduced, so it's just after a like sci-fi action sequence, which I thought was really good. That fight scene does have one of the best, like a really good joke in it as well with um, the Doctor when he shoots at something and Captain Amelia's like, did you mean to shoot that? And he's like, yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was great. Good, because they, the ch- they took the opportunity. Because that, that whole, like, I, I loved that whole sequence. It was real good. But yeah. during it, Jim sort of, I guess, accidentally leaves the, like, the map behind and Morph becomes the map and he doesn't realise. But they end up down, actually, on the treasure planet. And in the, that sequence, the, treasure the, planet. the titular treasure planet. The titular treasure planet. Yep. And Captain Amelia has landed badly or been shot. She She's, like, really injured. Yeah, she gets shot. Yeah. yeah. So, like, having more interaction between her and the Doctor in that sort of scene instead of, hey, Hey, here's a robot that you're gonna fucking hate. Yeah. Would have been a lot nicer. Oh, that's the scene with the weird sub dom fetish line. Hmm? You're gonna have to explain. Oh, that one. yeah, you need yeah, to. Yeah, there is a, there is definitely a bit in this film where Emma Thompson, like, yeah, yeah. she like acts quite dop, like in a very dom fashion to Doppler and he likes it it just was so much it was definitely like oh well this is a joke for the parents in the room i thought it was the other way around i think it was like the one time doppler actually tells her what to do and she goes um you sound very forceful tell me to do something else yes (laughs) yeah no fair enough i didn't pick up on that being like that but yeah no fair enough it definitely is no, that's a joke, definitely, for the parents. Yeah. And we're back to it being a Disney film. So then Jim goes off. He manages to sneak up to the main ship to get the actual map. He also kills yeah. the horrible 
spider scorpion oh, yeah. man. The the one character in the film that is an actual psychopath. Actual genuinely evil. terrifying. So genuinely. I, I get PTSD flashbacks whenever I see that guy because I start thinking of uh, Chris Lids from XCOM. It just gives me a very bad time. Yeah, Jamie, did you also think that his voice is a lot like Ulysses from Lonesome Road, the New Vegas DLC? I can I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was getting Ulysses vibes from him. I mean he's he's obviously much less um philosophical. Yes, for sure. Uh, Instead he's just an evil scorpion spider man. Mm. <laughs> who is the reason Mr. Arrow died because Jim had to check all the lifelines and he did and he did it right and then the evil scorpion cut Mr. Arrow's lifeline so that Captain Amelia would think Jim didn't do the job right. Yeah, yeah that, and he that actually dies. Tragic. Yeah, like he falls into a black hole. Yeah, yeah I mean that, that, that was tragic for um, like Jim as well on a character development level because mm. uh, like you're getting to the point of the film where he's start, finally starting to believe in himself and like his own capability then the horrible scorpion man cuts the safety line and lets Mr Arrow fall off into the void and blames Jim for it and Jim believes him Mm. As in, Jim thinks that he screwed up, and that's why Mr. Arrow died. And it's it's really heartbreaking seeing like the way that the character is under, like doubting themselves. You which... make a you make a seventeen year old feel like they murdered someone. That's the the be- well, not murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he manslaughtered someone. Yeah. That that scorpion spider character is terrifying. You know, every kid's film of this time has the horror scene. They mm. decided to make that into a character because the rest of the pirates, the, the crew, they're menacing, but they aren't scary. Whenever that character's on scene, genuinely terrifying. Yeah, so you, you've got like uh, the mutineers. One of them is a comical fart monster. Yep. Uh, oh, yep. The other one <laughs> is your living walking nightmares. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I, I think the horrifying scorpion pirate also gets one of the the very best like hybrid scenes of traditional animation and CGI in the entire film. And um, that's when Jim goes back to the ship to try and get the map after Morph tricks him. Mm. And the scorpion's still on the ship. And there's that scene where the scorpion go- goes charging down the corridor towards Jim and is like on the roof and on the, the ceiling. And um, just the perspective shift of how it's running towards the camera and the viewer. Horrifying. Um, yeah, horrifying, amazing like animation, and that that's the kind of perspective shot that would be really difficult to do with just traditional animation on its own. It works so well. Yeah, and then Jim killed him by suffocating him in space. Ben has also gone with them and is yeah. messing about with some wires. Again, you can get rid of Ben, and I want to. The rest of this film, whenever we talk about Ben, I want to try and work out how to replace him with a different character. Uh, and, like the wires could be morph, or just take Doppler. Yeah, like have have him have massive dad, something. massive dad energy trying to work out these wires. Yeah, give Jim like Huge a father energy. figure that isn't gonna try and yeah. betray him for treasure. You know, Doppler could have been such a good father figure, and he's kind of set up to be, and then he never is and i feel no. like i feel like if they didn't have ben you could replace ben a lot with doppler and no, exactly he is the original comic relief isn't he because he's that fuddy yeah. duddy he's like the uncle character oh. in like you know like in the mummy returns yeah. When yeah. Jonathan sort of takes on that uncle, sort yeah. of here to look after you, but really looking after myself. It would have also been a nice story for Jim and Doppler if if he did get that nice like uncle dad type role. Yeah, I was in Jim's life. I was going to save this for a little bit later, but we're talking about Doppler now. So at the end, you find out that, um, yeah, Doppler and Captain Amelia have actually gotten together and had kids. Where all of the boys are dogs and all of the girls are cats. 
Yeah, because that's how it how genetics works. Yeah, um, and again, we're back to Disney. Yeah. Every now and then, reminded that it's a Disney wonder, thing. Like, what if they're not dog people and cat people? What if they're one species that just have really extreme like sexual dimorphism? Yeah, I mean, it gave me an idea for a bit of a hypothetical. So, given that these two maybe different races can mate with each other and have babies, um, what would be the most fucked creature that you'd get out of two characters from this mating? Literally anything in the scorpion. Uh, the scorpion man. And- <laughs> Yeah. the fart monster <laughs> yeah that'd be pretty bad what about no. what about scroop and arrow because then you've got stone mantis oh yeah but that's not as know, bad that's... as scrotum mantis actually yeah, uh, mantis, I think but most of the, the terror of the scorpion man is just how damn quick he is like if he was made of stone i think that might detract from that a little bit what about yeah. scorpion man and you know there's that one that is like a head and a body and they're two different creatures yeah the head of that Oh, like, <laughs> oh no! It would be it would be like the um the monster from the thing when the head scuttles away, like a, an octopus, but also a scorpion man. Ugh. Horrifying! That might be the worst creature ever. In what what a cursed day to have an imagination! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were kind to us by only giving us cat slash dog. So all of that happens after they get to the bit where the map is telling them to go to and it turns mm-hmm. out they have to plug in the ball key thing and it and it opens up a teleporter like a, a portal which is really yeah. cool yeah which like really, really cool being able to go have from portal technology yeah going to all these different places and they find out that's how he actually got around and robbed people that much the scene where they flick through all the different destinations as well is really cool as well yeah. like seeing yeah. all the different places yeah seeing them all come up again and they realize that they have to open that to get into the center of the planet. Yep. And that is where the treasure is, inside the planet. Who knew that the real treasure was inside the planet all along? I liked how everyone else was confused about where to go and where it could be. It's really obvious, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's incredibly <laughs> I obvious. if you're watching a film called Treasure Planet rather than living it. But they mention it like, they, they like it has a slogan that they keep saying, which is like, it's in the heart of the planet. It's, yeah. It is the planet. And they're all like, but where is it? <laughs> Maybe inside the planet. I suppose what they were wondering was how do we get there? Maybe the teleporter that's right in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this, yeah, triangle that teleports us to different places can teleport us to the place we need to be going to. (laughs) Uh, Maybe they needed to do a a crossover with Atlantis and like recruit that little mole guy just like a drill down there. (laughs) But, But it's a map with millions of planets and none of like none of the pirates or like silver thought why does this map have the planet that we are currently on although it it would be an amazing bait and switch if like treasure planet the map leads you there because that's where the teleporter to get to the actual destination with the treasure was would be yeah that would be pretty cool (laughs) then it means that the treasure is the teleporters that we made along the way yeah so i suppose the teleporter itself actually is way more exciting and interesting and useful than treasure like at that point all i was thinking was like that's too much gold like the inflation would just be ridiculous yeah (laughs) it was like a scrooge mcduck level like treasure hoard really (laughs) yeah yeah and also like the teleporter is how um like the dread captain was it flint that that was how he made all his money like Mm -hmm. this teleporter is kind of insinuated to be a like unique like once in the galaxy thing that only he had control of so like having this teleporter alone would let you basically hold the galaxy to ransom yeah, because he built an entire planet to build a teleport, and no one noticed. I was going to say, does he build it? Is he in charge of it, or, is it, or did he just find it? I I, I never I really think it's ever stead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of implied that 
it was his from like the snippets of stuff that Ben says. And yeah. honestly, you could still get rid of Ben and have it as a computer <laughs> log or something. Like Ben does not need to be there. Yeah, yeah. Ben all, all Ben be does is tell them that there's a booby trap which you see them trigger when they walk in. The first thing they do is walk yeah. on a laser trip wire. Yeah. And so to stop anyone from getting this skeleton's treasure, the planet explodes. Yeah. I, I, I do find that absolutely hilarious though. Yeah. Is um like this this selfish pirate is like, well, if I can't have it, no one can. But he he rigs up his apocalyptic um booby trap to one small trip wire at ankle height that someone could step over if they were paying attention. <laughs> I, thought there, I thought there were lots. I thought there were lots with tripwires though or did i just gloss over that in my brain and make it more reasonable like there has to be alien species that naturally wouldn't step on it that would have like wider gates <laughs> from like from this point onwards when the tre- when the planet starts like collapsing in, in on itself and the treasure planet and, yeah the treasure planet is collapsing in on itself you see silver like sort of he chooses to rescue jim and and then they're trying to escape off the planet as it's collapsing like from then onwards i was like fully in with this movie i was just yeah so oh, yeah. like and he gets to use his surfboard thing like that he makes out of scrap like he did in the beginning it was very frustrating for me that they didn't get any treasure but got a little bit. Yeah, like silver filled his pockets. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the whole sequence. Because straight away, I'm like, use the teleporter. Use the teleporter. You're not going to get away. Use it. And so they, you know, they go back and use the teleporter. And Jim's yeah. like riding his little thing along as the planet's exploding. And I was watching it. I was like, ah, this is Halo Three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing, however. So they get they get through the teleporter, and the teleporter stays open as the planet explodes, mm-hmm. and a bunch of debris sort of comes through, and it I guess disappears because they don't acknowledge the fact that they might have just accidentally nuked the moon. Well, yeah, nu- nuked the spaceport hmm. <laughs> by blowing up another planet and opening a teleporter by it. Yeah, as soon as it destroys the teleporter, it will close. But you still, there was a bunch of stuff that came out of it, though. I mean, yeah, but that's not but enough yeah. to destroy a whole other planet. Oh, no, but it would that's still be like, like rocketing out into, uh, you know. And it wasn't it as close. It wasn't like, they weren't super close to the port, were they? They were like piratinable yeah, distance. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it is established that once you're off the ship, there's no gravity in space. Yes, yeah. So it wouldn't make it to the planet, theoretically. Well, I don't know, like. In, in zero gravity, like you yeah, surely start something moving, it won't stop again. Yeah, will yeah. It? it won't stop because there's yeah. no resistance. I guess we don't know actually because, like, this is Ethereum or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. actually, it might like, just there slow down. Yeah. Might be air resistance. I Maybe there's air resistance there. once you get to the port atmosphere. Mm. Also, there's a space station, it's got to be prepared for random debris coming at it. Yeah, mm. yeah. space junk. Well, I suppose yeah. there wasn't as much space junk. As there is now. What happened? It's a lot of treasure. No yeah, one... does it just melt and form like a big treasury blob, blob. that yeah. stays there that they kind of could go back to, but obviously they had to travel all that way to get to, and they've lost the map now because it exploded with it. So yeah, I, I guess um, treasure blob wouldn't work as well as a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> just a big melty block floating through space. Giant. Yeah, but I, I guess of wolf, if, if like gold. the planet collapsed in on it then it, i suppose it's just inaccessible isn't it because like there's probably more gold 
in the crust of planet Earth than there is in that treasure hoard, but we can't get to it because you'd have to dig it all up. Yeah. It feels very wasteful on the part of Captain Flynn, though. I, I think Helena definitely raised a very good point about inflation, though, because like Sil yeah. Silver managed to stuff a few gems in his pocket and a, a, a few coins and stuff, and yeah. he gives, oh, like, two of them to Jim, and that alone is enough to rebuild an entire, like, luxury, supersized inn, like, much bigger than the one that got destroyed in the intro. Well, like, if, they, if they got hold of that entire planet, just imagine what yeah, would I'm just, happened. I'm looking at, like, a, a screen grab of the... Well, treasure. Like the actual inside of the planet and it is it is yeah like it's um sort of smaug level but, yeah. but yeah. Planet, like, it's huge. <laughs> so treasure planet was lost a hundred years ago right they mentioned that a couple times like it was lost a hundred years ago which and... is weird it feels like it should have been a lot longer ago no i think it should have been sooner <laughs> like 10 years ago <laughs> yeah i genuinely thought that it was gonna end up being that his dad was part of the crew that hid all the treasure and that on that planet yeah, like that's, that's I mean, the sort of vibes it, i was getting from it I mean, yeah his dad ran away to be ago. a pirate yeah or... yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, then got stuck there. Went out on a mission to find Treasure Planet, and at some point he'd stumble across it. It would have been great if maybe he found his... You replace Ben <laughs> with, <laughs> with his dad. A little bit of dad tie-in would have been nice because he really yeah. is missing at the end, isn't um, he? Because they don't—he doesn't bring him up at all. It's not like no, he never. Yeah, he there's never no, there's again. no trace of him. There's no satisfying, and this is why your dad left. It's no, your your dad just. But I think that was kind of intentional, though, because hmm. um, no, like his, his dad leaves and like you, you get the scene of his mum crying and then Jim goes running off down to the dock to try and catch him before he goes. And I, I think the reason that we don't get told that is because um, like in, during that scene, Jim is a young child and we're kind of seeing the scene through his views and he, yeah. he's not old enough to understand yeah. why it's happening and so we're just not told apparently according to notes in treasure planet a voyage of discovery the whole idea is that leland the dad and mm -hmm. sarah the mum were 19 and 17 respectively when jim was born oh wow so wow. very much a teen mum so he just bailed and he bailed wow not a mention of that well no because no. i think it's expanded upon in the next book it wasn't actually the case in the film but it's that's the canon explanation yeah i i don't think the film really needs an explanation though because um yeah. having that kind of like father shaped void in jim's life is probably why he he kind of like latches onto silver so quickly and yeah. why he has to do you know he wants to get them raise the money to rescue his mum's tavern because yeah. that's his job because there's no father figure there to do it it's it falls onto his shoulders at least in his eyes i don't like that silver becomes the quote unquote father figure i'd rather it be doppler Absolutely. yeah no exactly like it makes way more sense for it to be doppler and doppler does support him in some ways like he he does lots of practical things like get him the ship yeah but he's yeah he that he's there's never, no montage there's no montage at the uh, um off theme <laughs> pop rock so yeah, so I, I don't think i'm actually fully on team doppler for father figure right because I, I like personally the way that i see it with silver is that silver kind of i suppose adopts him in a way because they're sim like kind of broken in the same way I suppose. So he sees him as like a kindred spirit. Yeah, um, he sort of, he wants to, Jim wants to be a pirate, deep down. Yeah. But I, I think it's also because, um, like, Silver teaches him to kind of, like, believe in himself and, like, strike out to achieve the things that he wants to do. Uh, and, like, one of the reoccurring things that consistently pops up with um, Jim is that how he, he thinks that, like, his mum thinks he's a disappointment and, like, he, he carries this chip around on his shoulder. And I think that's also because, like, his dad walked out. Like, he, yeah. he wasn't good yeah. enough as a child, so his dad left, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, 
I just I just wish Doppler had more of an impact on Jim because it, it it seemed rife like perfect for it because Doppler's an idiot and has like big dad uncle energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as much as like Sil- Silver tries to like wear him out and he doesn't manage to mm. he like he tries to break this kid's spirit and instead the kid breaks his determination to like it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Be, wow he actually does end up impressing him mm. and making mm. him make him feel something for this kid not enough to like you know not mutiny well i'd love to have seen doppler be like earnestly pro jim like because yeah. Doppler seems like a really earnest character and just have him being like earnestly supportive of jim in places that like his mum wouldn't wasn't would have been really nice there's yeah. like a character arc for Doppler because Doppler doesn't really get a character arc no i guess he gets a little bit more confident towards the end he's a yeah. little bit more tra- like world weary so yeah. how many replacement father figures out of 10 would you give this movie i give it a solid nine like i think it's a great film there are problems but i like i like it um i give it nine missing father figures <laughs> it was that father. or how many treasures planeted out of 10 <laughs> how many uh transforming scrotes yeah oh yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah, he I, can I, transform into numbers <laughs> <laughs> i think nine father figure size hold in a teenager's heart um i think i would okay. give it eight gratuitously unnecessary bends mm-hmm. <laughs> eight um, bends that you would remove from this movie yeah, eight, yeah, exactly. I think if Ben really, wasn't there, it would definitely be a nine. Nine, I'd say nine Bens that would replace with Doppler in every single scene, <laughs> out of including when they crash and he's already on the planet. Yes, yeah. yes, the exact same film. <laughs> well, would... Continuity be fucked. Like, no, yeah, he's, no, he's a doppelganger. He's a doppler. Doppelganger. Yeah. <laughs> I would give it eight little Morphe scrotums out of ten, especially for the scene at the end where silver is gonna take scrote with him and then doesn't and lets oh, lets him have his pal and it's it's really nice because it's an it's a genuine sacrifice yeah, yeah. That, that was silver nice. there like he's actually like he is okay with being alone and give and, and like gives his companion away freely because he knows that they'll be better off together and they need each other yeah no that is such a good scene Mm. Yeah, it was really nice. I think I would give it, uh, yeah, nine distant father figures out of ten. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I say it, it wasn't one that I had nostalgia for. I hadn't seen it until a couple of days ago. So, like, yeah, even, even without the nostalgia, this was a really good, enjoyable movie. Yeah, it, it that says a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah as, oh, yeah. as that's, that's someone who definitely did have a huge amount of nostalgia for the film, I'd, I'd say definitely earns it. Like yeah. it does deserve. I was going to say that's, that's the theme of the podcast, isn't it? So does it hold up to your memories yeah. of it? Yeah, yeah it, absolutely. It absolutely it, does. It absolutely uh, deserves to be the film that killed 2D animation. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's that big, glorious, blazing Viking funeral for an yeah. industry. It was a joy to watch. Well, and with that, I have been Dan. I have been Michael. I've and been I've Hannah. been... Fuck you, James. <laughs> I always go third. How are you? Like eight episodes in? This is the first time it ever happened. Well, we have. Oh god, you're not going to edit that out, are you? No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. Well, I'm very sorry, and I'm also Jamie. I've been Helena. You can find us on. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Hilton Pod. That is at H I L T M Pod, and you can. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and many other podcast networks. If you leave us a five-star review, we might even read it. We won't. We, we won't. We, if we can find it, we'll see. Jamie will interrupt. Jamie <laughs> will interrupt. No, I won't.
Space. Noisy. Pirates. Space. Pirates. Space. And it's also the 18th century.